If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome back to the Dur Show. Big news, no surprise, of course, uh, today is that President Biden formally announced that uh, he will run for re-election as President of the United States. Um, that announcement carries some legal implications in terms of fundraising and reporting. But from a news point of view, everybody knew that was going to happen. And so we now have the Mano a mano uh, face-off uh, repeat of 2020. It will almost certainly be Biden versus uh, Trump. Biden is assured nobody's going to run against him except my old friend Bobby Kennedy. He used to play volleyball against him. Boy, he was a tough volleyball player, and he and I debated a lot uh, about uh, vaccines and stuff. He's running, but uh, obviously. If Biden remains healthy, he uh, will not win any primaries. Uh, Biden will be uh, the nominee and Trump uh, will probably be the nominee, although his numbers are not high. Um, neither are any of his opponents' numbers high. And so the likely face-off will be a repeat of, um, of two years ago with <laughs> each of the candidates being four years older, which raises one issue that I want to discuss um, today. As you all know, the Constitution does have a minimum age requirement for running for president, uh, 35. Um, uh, the age of 35, you're um, a mature, a mature, almost middle-aged person. Um, at the time the Constitution was established, 35 was uh, really late middle age, life expectancy was considerably lower than it was today. By the way, that's a myth. Um, you know, you, you hear Jefferson obviously lived in his 80s, Adams lived into his 80s, and um, who knows how long Hamilton would have lived had he not foolishly engaged in, in a duel. But um, life expectancy is measured in two different ways, one much more relevant than the other. One case, it's life expectancy at birth, and that has changed dramatically in, in back in the day of the Constitution. A uh, very, very substantial number of children born didn't live. They died early, and that was factored into life expectancy. But if you were 35 years old, your life expectancy was more than 15 or 20 years. Uh, it was uh, higher than that, not what it is today. But uh, life expectancy is measured by how old you are and how many more years you have uh, left uh, to live. The Jewish expression, of course, is you should live to 120. Uh, but that's not what the demographic tables uh, uh, show. Uh, and so one question that I want to pose to my viewers and, and listeners and hear your views on it in, in letters. By the way, you can send the letters to me right now as we talk uh, on YouTube and hear your views. Just as there is a minimum age requirement to run for president, should there be a maximum age requirement to run for president? There is in some countries. In some countries, there are maximum age requirements for virtually every office. A dear friend of mine was the president of the Supreme Court of Israel. 
Aaron Barak, and he had to retire at age, I don't remember, 71 or 72. And he was in great, great shape. He's now, what, 87 and still fighting the good fight. Um, the United States, we don't have mandatory retirement ages. I retired at Harvard at age 75, but I could have gone on to 120 if the good Lord had given me the, the power to, to do that. Uh, Harvard has no uh, mandatory retirement age. Some states do. Um, my wife's uh, cousin was uh, a judge uh, in uh, South Carolina, and he was forced to retire at 70, and he asked me to litigate the case for him and challenge it, and I did a review of all the cases and found that there was really nothing to challenge at that time. And so uh, there are state limitations on the age that people can run or be appointed. And so the question is, should there be age limitations that you can't run if you're, say, going to be 80 on the day of the election or the day of the inauguration uh, or the day you finish your term, uh, if it's one term or two terms? Um there are two sides to that issue, um, obviously. Um, it would be unconstitutional to do today uh, because the Constitution is specific. There are only these small number of requirements to be president. You can serve while you're in prison. Uh, you can serve while you're in, in, at trial. Um, and you can serve when you're 120. But should that be changed? So that's question number one. Related to that question is something that is being proposed now um, clearly directed at Joe Biden, um, not specifically, but is clearly directed at Joe Biden, and that is uh, mandatory testing for competence. Um, um, I'm not in favor of that. I'm certainly not in favor of disqualifying anybody on the basis of a test. Who would make the decision? Uh, who would decide who's qualified and who's not qualified? Um, was Ronald Reagan uh, mentally astute enough during his last run for office. Um, certainly by the end of his second term, there are real questions. We know that Woodrow Wilson uh, was not competent to serve. He had had a stroke, which was hidden from the public, and his wife essentially governed in the last uh, year or so of his term. And uh, we've had other situations uh, like that, not only for the president, but we had a secretary, I can't remember if it's defense, I think secretary of defense, his name was... Uh, Forrestal, who was uh, completely insane, uh, while Secretary of Defense and, and his paranoid delusion was pretty relevant to his job. He believed the Russians were uh, about to send planes to destroy America. He then jumped out of the uh, hospital building that he was in and killed himself. He should have obviously been impeached and, and required to, uh, to leave office. That raises really hard questions because he wouldn't have committed an impeachable offense. But um, he could have been removed by the president. You don't have to be impeached if you're the secretary of, of defense. So that would have been the preferred route out. And we've had such cases. And we've had cases of justices and judges who have been approached by their colleagues and, and, and told, look, <laughs> your time's up. Uh, and if you don't leave, we'll make sure that you are made to leave. And so... Uh, certainly several handfuls over the history of time uh, of members of the judiciary have left under pressure uh, like that. So, so the two questions raised by this race of octogenarians, uh, whoever wins, uh, you know, will be the oldest president um, in history. 
um, and uh, when they leave, and um, and and there there are questions. Um, I, you know, as I said before, I'm 84 and a half. I think I'm on top of my game. I think I'm competent. I think I could serve in any capacity, but I'm not the best person to uh, to judge that. Um, and uh, that's why we have elections. And we would hope that uh, before the elections, there would be debates, not just one debate, but debates where the public would be the best test to see whether or not the person was was qualified. And the people asking him her the hard questions uh, would be part of the testers. But what I would not favor would be a commission of psychiatrists who render a judgment as to whether or not a president is 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 competent. The, the most I would be willing to accept would be a mandatory test designed by real experts with the results being published for the public to evaluate and judge, but then vote, but no no disqualification. Of course, we have the 25th Amendment. And if a person is completely uh, incompetent, as Forrestal was, for example, but we didn't have the 25th Amendment at the time of Forrestal, uh, he could be removed without being impeached. You don't need treason, bribery, or high crimes and misdemeanors under the 25th Amendment. You need, and it's very hard, to get uh, a whole series of procedural and substantive uh, red lines that have to be crossed. And so, um, uh, so that's, that's one question that's raised by the announcement, uh, uh, today. Another question, and this is a very serious one is we have to be 100% certain that the next election is fair beyond dispute. We saw Tucker Carlson, uh, was dismissed and, uh, uh, there have been lawsuits and, uh, you know, the Dominion case and the Fox case, all about whether or not the election of 2020 was was fair. You know my view. I think it was basically fair. I think Pennsylvania violated the Constitution, but it wouldn't have made a difference. But there are millions and millions of Americans who don't trust machines, who don't trust early voting away from ballot boxes that are supervised, except in cases of the military or people who have hardship. And so what are we going to do between now and November of 2024 to assure that no one has any doubts about the integrity of the next election? It is absolutely crucial to democracy that people have trust in the process. And I have to tell you, People do not have trust in the process. And the Dominion case didn't increase that trust at all. If anything, it decreased it. And so I'm hoping that the United States will adopt what some European countries have, what Israel has, what other countries have, and that is an election commission, a group of incredibly distinguished, unchallengeable people uh, former justices or judges, former presidents of universities, rabbis, ministers, and priests, uh, you name it. And it's always difficult to decide who would be on such a commission. And um, electoral complaints can be brought to that commission in real time, in real time, not after the election complaining by the loser, but in real time so that when the butterfly ballot happened in, um, in Palm Beach, during the 2000 election, an election commission could have been called in to examine and change the ballot and make sure it was done 
absolutely uh, properly. I don't think we're going to get an election commission. I think we're going to continue down the the path of if there is a loser, the loser will bring a lawsuit. The lawsuit will go before a judge who was appointed by the winner or by the loser, and nobody will trust the process. So I'm very worried about the integrity of the next election. So that's the second thing I wanted to talk about. Now, you know I'm a Democrat. I'm a liberal Democrat. And so all things being equal, if nothing changes, uh, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden again the way I voted for him the first time. Am I 100 percent thrilled about everything? Uh, You know, today with the numbers the way they are, uh, this election, like the Hillary Clinton uh, defeat by Donald Trump 2016, is likely to be an election in which people vote against rather than for, in which people say to themselves, who would be a better president? I don't know. Who would be a worse president? Well, maybe this person would be a worse president. So I'll vote for that uh, person. So um, I'm, I'm not saying that's the way I feel about it. I'm saying a lot of Americans will will feel that way. And so I, I don't want to devote the rest of this program to telling you why you should vote one way or another. I'm trying to do a kind of an objective analysis of, of the problems here and the issues here. On the issue of... Uh, Who would make a better president? You know, I think it's fair to say that uh, many Americans think that uh, Biden would be better on domestic affairs and Trump would be better on foreign affairs. Um, The foreign policy of the United States seems to have been stronger under Trump than under Biden. And domestic policy seems to be better and stronger uh, under Biden. Uh, I'm not saying that's anybody in particular's view, but polls seem to demonstrate that. And so some of this will turn on whether you think domestic or foreign policies are more important. Historically, domestic policies have been more important in who people vote for than, than, than foreign policies. And, um, and so we're going to see issues along those lines. Here's one issue of, of, of domestic policy, largely, which I think will have a big impact on, on the election abortion. Um, If the Supreme Court thought that by overruling Roe versus Wade, it was doing any favors for the president who appointed them or for the Republican Party, they were all Republicans, they were sadly mistaken. Um, The Barnes decision helped the Democrats in the midterm elections in 2022. And by 2024, I think there will be a Supreme Court decision. We have just a a holding decision a couple of days ago uh, about uh, the FDA and uh, the abortion pill and the Supreme Court allowed it to go forward over two dissents. It doesn't tell us how the Supreme Court would decide the case. And we're going to talk about that either tomorrow or in weeks to come. How the Supreme Court will decide when a state legislature says, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 we're not allowing the morning after pill the week after pill or the month after pill. No pills that perform abortions are to be permitted at all. Now, the polls are very clear on that. The vast, vast, vast majority of Americans favor abortion at the earliest stages of pregnancy and do not favor abortion at the latest stages of pregnancy unless the life uh, and health of the mother are at stake. And so if a state, and this will happen, some are already in the process of making it happen. When a state passes a statute saying 
no abortion pill even during the first month or the first week or the first day. No, no morning after pills, no uh, early abortion pills. It's out. There is a right to life. The right to life begins the moment of conception, zygotes, you know, before fetuses and all of that. We're going to the mat. We're going to the extreme. Will the Supreme Court uphold that if you take to its logical conclusion the Barnes decision and Judge Alito's um, opinion in it, of course the answer has to be yes, the state can ban it. What they said is there's no constitutional right to abortion, period. And if there's no constitutional right to abortion, period, then the state can do what it pleases. And that would include banning uh, the morning after pill, the week after pill, or the month after pill. Uh, the case previously didn't involve the morning after pill, so we're not completely sure uh, about all of that. But if that were to happen, I have to tell you, that would really hurt the Republicans. Um, there are many mothers out there and fathers out there who are less ideological and more concerned about their daughters. And their 16-year-old daughter comes home after a terrible experience with a man uh, who raped her uh, or with a relative uh, who raped her and, and, and is three days pregnant or a week pregnant or a month pregnant, the vast majority of Americans will not want to vote for a candidate that won't allow their daughter to have an abortion at that early stage. They're not thinking theology. They're not thinking politics. They're thinking, my daughter, my daughter is my 16-year-old daughter really capable of going through nine months of pregnancy and, and bearing a child? That will hurt the Republicans. Now, there's something that will hurt the Democrats. Three letters, very easy, AOC, and the, 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 the squad, uh, the, the uh, incredibly radical, woke um, members of the Democratic Party who uh, basically would like to turn America into a, into a socialist utopia, uh, which would be, of course, a dystopia, not a utopia, and who don't care about freedom of speech and don't care about freedom of assembly, who don't care about due process, who don't care about uh, rights at all. All they care about is getting their way. And there are too many of them, and they're too influential in the Democratic uh, Party. And when you have the former uh, head of the Democratic House, uh, Nancy Pelosi, posing their arm around uh, Ilan Omer, a viciously anti-Semitic, anti-American bigot uh, from the squad, uh, that doesn't help the Democrats. Uh, people have to remember, we are a nation of moderates. We are a centrist nation. And the party that presents itself as principled and centrist is going to win this election. And it's going to win this election no matter who the candidate is, uh, because although people vote for the candidate, they vote not for the platform or the program of the party. They also vote for kind of the approach and the attitude. And I get asked all the time, how can I be a Democrat still with the squad in there? Everybody knows I hate the squad. I hate the squad on the hard left even more than I hate people on the right. I don't include Nazis and fascists uh, on the right, but uh, the people on, on the hard right. Um, I, I, I really despise those people. One of the reasons I remain a Democrat is I want to help push the Democratic Party into the center and to help them marginalize the uh, extremists. You know, I threatened publicly to quit the Democratic Party when a person ran Ellison to be the head of the Democratic Party who uh, had extremist views and 
anti-Israel views and views of that kind. And I said, if you were elected head of the Democratic Party, you can have my card. I, I'll be an independent. Well, it didn't happen. He lost. But and I didn't have to hand in my card. I really am an independent more than anything else. But to vote in primaries today, you have to declare a party. And I declare Democrat because I want to have influence to make sure that the hard left of the Democratic Party uh, doesn't uh, take over the party and ultimately take over the country. So um, what I try to do today is what I often do and to do an analysis of what the upcoming election is going to be. This is not polemical. Uh, you can disagree. You can agree. But uh, judge me not on who I support, because that didn't really figure into the analysis I've given you today. But judge me on whether you think I'm right or wrong in my analysis about various things from age to ideology. So let's turn now to some, some questions. Uh, let's see if we have any questions on the uh, that are coming in live. There are a couple coming in live. Let's see if there are any I can read. Uh, could Trump beat RFK Jr.? Yes, Trump could beat RFK Jr. Um, uh, but Tucker is no longer with Fox. The media has maintained radio silence on this. When the media is silent on something, I am suspicious. Well, the media hasn't maintained silence. Newsmax has been very vocal about it. Fox has been pretty quiet about it. CNN's jumping up and down with joy, but they're not talking much about Don Lemon. And of course, um, uh, the, that that uh, group of um, women. What's the name of that show again, Elon? Um, the women, the, the one I mistook for the, the five view? yesterday. The View, The View. They were jumping up and down with joy um, when uh, Tucker Carlson was fired, and probably not jumping down with as much joy when Don Lemon was fired. Um, so um, let's look at some of the questions that came in yesterday. Tucker's voice isn't going away. He'll soon be on a new platform and more popular than ever. Fox News, though, is history. I don't think so. I think Fox News will continue to have a very important place in America. Uh, I don't know who will replace um, uh, Tucker Carlson at 8 o'clock. They may just shift around some people and put Hannity there. Who knows? But uh, Fox is going to maintain its position as a very strong voice on news and opinion. God bless Dersh. Uh, Alan called the shots spectacularly within the last two weeks. I was old enough to remember very spirited debate on these opinion shows when Bill O'Reilly and even Tucker Carlson in the early days, they would have guests on the opposite side of arguments. They disagree, but they hear on both sides. Uh, my son Elon today sent me uh, a debate, an old debate between uh, William Buckley and Noam Chomsky. And that was really interesting to hear. They were both very young at, at, at the time. And underneath that, there was a debate between Mike Wallace and Ayn Rand. Um, she had come to a class when I was a student at Brooklyn College, and she was this great uh, libertarian. But in those days, there were great debates. Today, Lincoln-Douglas debate could not occur. Half the country would try to prevent Lincoln from speaking, and the other half of the country would try to prevent uh, Douglas from speaking. That happened at NYU just this week. Uh, a, a great woman, a moderate uh, from, from Israel, tried to speak at the NYU Law School when uh, uh, there were signs, Zionists are not welcomed here, Zionists go home, and they shouted her down. Fortunately, she was able to speak over some of them, and at least some of the students um, were able to hear, hear uh, her views. Uh, Alan, great show. I enjoy your discussion of legal issues. 
If I become president, you will be on my short list as a nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, you better become president very fast because I think the oldest person ever appointed to be a justice was Oliver Wendell Holmes, and he was 60. So nobody is appointing an 84-year-old to the uh, Supreme Court, uh, and um, probably you're not going to get elected president. Hate hate to break the news, but uh, that's the reality. All kidding aside, your predictions since I've started with your station have been very accurate. No, I'm very proud of that. And again, I say my predictions are accurate and they have been extremely accurate. My predictions are accurate because I don't allow my ideology. I'm like a bookie, you know, who makes his money by being able to predict correctly the outcome of a game. Bookies don't root for the Yankees or the Red Sox. Uh, Bookies analyze the situation and uh, set the odds uh, according to their analysis of the situation. That's what I do. Tell uh, a nickname for you. What? That's so, a good nickname for me? Durstradamus. Oh, oh, yeah. My son has come up with a new nickname for me. Durstradamus. No Tradamus with the Dursh in the beginning. No, I, 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 uh, I don't look to any external source to make predictions. I just use my 60 years of experience. You know, I've seen it all. I know the judges. You know, when people ask me, client, will I win or I lose the case? I'll say, tell me you're the judges. And I'll tell you whether you're going to win or lose the case. That's that's pretty cynical, but it's pretty accurate. So uh, 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 predictions have to be based on data and have to be based on experience and not based on wishful thinking. Great news about Kim Potter. She never should have gone to jail. I hope she will be okay. Uh, she is let out today. After a year in prison, a year too long, um, she did nothing criminal whatsoever. And my only regret is that she didn't um, pursue this uh, vigorously. Maybe she will. Maybe this the appeal is still pending. I hope it is. And maybe she'll be vindicated. But where will she go to get the year back? Uh, where will she go to get her reputation back? The criminal justice system is not a search for truth. Uh, if it were a search for truth, uh, Kim Potter would be reprimanded for making a terrible, tragic mistake of pulling the wrong gun. Maybe she'd be subjected to a training program. Maybe her lethal weapon would be taken away. All of those are reasonable responses to what happened to her. But putting her in jail for a year, no, no way. No way. Uh, No more than uh, actors who make mistakes like we have seen now uh, should be put in jail for honest mistakes. It is not a crime to make a mistake. It's not a crime to be merely negligent and this no indication that either of them were actually negligent. Usually negligence is defined as voluntarily undertaking an act that you have reason to believe might very well cause an untoward result. And I think in either of those cases, um, uh, Alec Baldwin or Kim Potter, was that true? So I'm glad that uh, Baldwin is not being prosecuted. I'm glad that Kim Potter is uh, free. I, I wish she hadn't gone to jail at all, and that's that's too bad. Don't ever retire, Dershowitz. We need you. I don't even know how to retire. Uh, you know, I, I, I try to. My definition of retirement basically is I don't have to put on an alarm clock in the morning. And um, for a few days a week, uh, not always today I had to and other days I have to, but the days I don't have to put on an alarm and I can just sleep when my wife and I um, wake up naturally, that to me is uh, the beginning, the beginning of, of, of retirement. 
Professor, is that a portrait of Franz Kafka on the wall over your right shoulder or Picasso? That's Franz Kafka. What's the other side? That's Franz Kafka. And that's uh, a, a lithograph done by Warhol. Warhol did a lithograph of the 10 prominent Jews of the 20th century. And Warhol selected the 10 and um, most of them you've heard of. The Marx Brothers, my son owns that uh, uh, one. Um, uh, Kafka, Freud, Golda Meir, um, uh, and others, uh, uh, Gershwin, um, uh, are among the 10. I used to own all 10, but that's when I lived in my big house in, in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Once we moved from a big house to small apartments, uh, I had to um, uh, sell most of the uh, Warhol 10 prominent Jews. I also had the um, uh, endangered uh, species uh, lithographs, and I had Howdy Doody, and, um, and I had to give all of those up. And so, you know, for me, you don't own art, you rent it. Uh, you use it, you use it as long as you can, you then give it to your children if you can. I'm looking forward to my children. Taking some of my art and some of my historical uh, uh, documents, but that's Franz Kafka, who is more relevant today than ever before. Everybody should go back and reread The Trial by Kafka. And you will see how much what went on during the trial resembles what is going on in today's uh, trials. And it will make you wonder very much about the American legal system. Uh, Professor, you're a frequent guest on conservative media outlets for a lot of reasons, one of which is non-conservative media outlets won't have me. I used to be a regular guest on CNN. I'm obviously canceled there. I'm canceled on MSNBC, canceled on a lot of the um, uh, left-wing media uh, outlets, even though I myself am a liberal. I saw you often invited to Newswax and given your uh, input on some legal issues, which they seem to appreciate. I even saw you on Ben Shapiro in that context, but there are plenty of issues you and them strongly disagree on. So why can't you get together sometimes and discuss these issues as well. I'd love to. I would love to see more and more and more honest debates, real debates, Lincoln-Douglas type debates. I think the American public would very much appreciate them. All right, last question. Professor, if a member of the president's cabinet lies while testifying before a congressional committee, would that be considered perjury? Yes, absolutely. There's no immunity for a presidential appointee. There is an immunity for members of Congress. Would such perjury constitute an impeachable offense? Yes, it would be. Perjury would be a high crime uh, and, and misdemeanor. If it was about government activities, I don't think the perjury allegations that were made against Bill Clinton that had to do with his um, uh, private sex life uh, constitute an impeachable offense, but it would constitute an impeachable offense if you needed to impeach. But of course, member of the cabinet doesn't have to be impeached. All the president has to do is snap his fingers and it's gone. All right. See you tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
a laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.